Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, we started teaching a series last week, last weekend entitled Vision 2018, in which we are beginning to unfold what the vision is for our church for this year and for the coming years in the future, and actually to announce to you uh, the direction of this church um, for the coming years. And so in order to kind of get everybody on the same page and to understand uh, when I make the announcement that I'm going to make next week, and there'll be kind of multiple announcements, um, I want us to be prepared to be able to grab hold of this vision. See, a vision, if it's not communicated correctly, if it's not written down, as it says, if it's not etched into the hearts of the individuals that are going to actually bring this vision to pass, it's not going to happen. And so, you know, I don't want this to be wasted. I don't want this to be, um, uh, it's something so so life-changing for us. And um, I want us to understand how vision operates. So if you weren't here last week, I taught on these principles. There are principles to bring a vision to pass that you and I must walk out. We need to walk them out. We need to understand them. We need to grab a hold of them. We need to walk them out. And so many times an individual, believers, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, can spend their entire lives walking around aimlessly and just never feeling like you hit it, never feeling like you nailed it, never feeling like you, you really got a hold of what God's plan for you. And it shouldn't be that way. God created us to be visionaries because he's a visionary. He created us to be people that are motivated by vision, by inspired by vision. But I want us to really get a hold of it. Amen? If you weren't here last week, please, 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 I beg you to go listen to the message from last weekend. It's extremely important. Just to give you a couple of just high points. We talked about the fact that supernatural vision comes not from our natural surroundings, but it comes from another realm. It comes from the realm of the spirit. It's inspired into our hearts, into our spirit, by the Holy Spirit of God, amen? It's not a picture that's formed in our mind based on what our eyes are picking up. It's a picture that's formed in our heart and our spirit by what our spirit is picking up from the Holy Spirit. Remember this, that Jesus is the head of the church. We understand that, right? It's revealed to us in the epistles, in the New Testament, the letters that are written to the church make it very clear that Jesus ascended into heaven. Remember, he rose from the dead, 40 days later ascends into heaven, he's seated at this place of honor next to that, the right hand of the Father, and there he administrates. He's the head of the church. It's who we are, the gathering of believers on this earth. But then he sends messages to earth by his spirit, and his spirit, if you are a believer, if you are born again, if you've received salvation, his spirit lives inside you. Amen, say he's in there. And so he communicates to you what the head of the church desires for the church to to accomplish here on the earth. And so it's so important to get to learn that voice, amen? So supernatural vision comes from within, it's revealed to us from heaven. It's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit to our spirits. And I want you to understand this too. I just want to throw this in here. I, I didn't mention this last week, and I, I wish I had, but I want you to grab this because, you see, it's inevitable when, when you talk about vision that it's going to stir up in some people that idea of, well, you know what? I thought I had a vision. I thought I had, you know, the plan of God. I thought God was speaking to me about something, but you know what? It hasn't come to pass yet. I haven't seen it yet. I felt like really like this was going to happen in my life, or we were going to get this kind of a house, or I was going to get that kind of a job, or I was going to be able to get that kind of a car, and it hasn't happened yet. 
I want you to grab a hold of this and hold on to this truth. God is not hiding anything from you. He is hiding it for you. There are things that he's got put aside that it's not time yet for you to walk in. Are you listening to me? Don't fall, because the, the devil will jump on those things and say, you see, you ask God, you believe God, you've been praying, you've been saying, you've been saying what God's going to do and it hasn't happened yet. God's not really going to do this for you. It's not there. He doesn't want you to have this. That's baloney. He's hiding it for you. Why? Because there's a divine timing that you must step into in order to really grab a hold of the things that God has for your life. Amen? Amen. Don't ever forget that. Amen. Vision is supposed to supply us with direction. It's supposed to give us marching orders, and it does. Vision always requires faith in order to manifest. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. The evidence of what? Things unseen. When you first receive vision, it's not there. It doesn't happen yet. You're receiving the vision because God is trying to tell you, this is where you're going, this is what it's going to take to get there, and this is what's going to happen when you get there. So it requires faith. How do we build faith? Through the word. As you see what God has done in the past, as you read the different stories throughout the word of God of what he did for the nation of Israel, what he did for individuals, how he rescued people. Even Victor today was referring to Daniel. Uh, Daniel's friends thrown into this fiery furnace that, that consumed the people that threw them in, yet, yet it didn't touch them. When you read those stories, what does it do? It inspires you. It gets you to get a picture on the inside and say, well, the thing, you know what? I might not be going through an actual literal furnace of flames, but you know what? I feel like I've been thrown into the furnace. Amen? So what happens? You start thinking, you start reminding yourself, well, God did it for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Guess what? He'll do it for me. Amen. Amen. Vision involves seeing on the inside. I want to quote our brother Marty Blackwelder, who will probably be here later this year, awesome man of God. This is what he said over 20 years ago. He said this, if you can see it in your heart, you can possess it with your faith. You didn't get that. Because that is the key of what sometimes people pray. They say, pray? I prayed, pastor, it didn't happen. You prayed, anybody can pray. But are you believing what you prayed? Are you believing what you prayed? I'm challenging you. Are you believing what you prayed? Or are you just throwing it out there like, well, let me just see if this happens. I'll just blurt it out. No, honey, it doesn't happen that way. You've got to develop it on the inside. You've got to let that thing that you're believing God for become so real. If you're sick, you've got to start seeing yourself well. If you're poor, if you're lacking, if you're struggling, you've got to start seeing yourself having enough, having prosperity, having enough not only to pay your bills, but maybe you go and pay somebody else's mortgage for that month. If you don't see it, if it's not real in here, you're not going to be able to take it by faith. So develop that. Let that vision develop on the inside. Amen. So how does this process start? That's how we ended last week. How do we do this? How do we do this, Pastor? Yeah, great. This is all the principles of vision, but how do we do it? How do we practically do it? The prophet of God, a man named Habakkuk, wrote for us, and it's recorded for us in the scriptures and been preserved for us all these thousands of years. And this is what he said in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Write the vision down. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that they may run who reads it. And this is what I'm doing. The whole thing I'm doing these, these weeks, last week, this week, and next week, is to do this, to write this thing on your hearts. Why? So when somebody says, you go to that church over there on Brick Boulevard, you go to that place over there, you know, we have the food pantry on the street, the one when we pass by, there's cars parked all over the place. You go to that church, yeah, so what's that church all about? You'll be able to just rattle off. Why? Because the vision is written in your heart. 
The message, the message, the message. Turn to somebody and say, it's all about the message. The message translation puts it this way. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. That is such a principle right there that people forget. Well, I'm just going to sit here and wait till God does it. You're going to sit there till you die. You get it on the run. You get it because you started taking steps. If you believe God is telling you to do something, start walking it out. Start doing something. Start preparing for it. Why? Because you're going to get it on the run. You don't get it on the seat. You get it on the run. As they were going, the leper was full of leprosy. Jesus heals him. He got his healing when? As he went, he was healed. Don't just sit there. Do something. So let me get to today's message now. That's just the appetizer. (laughs) The mission of this church has not changed. The way we do it is about to change drastically. The mission of this church is the same as it's always been. What is that mission? To lead people into a life-changing, spirit-empowered relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is time for more and more people to experience that. It's not enough to just have that on a sign. It's not enough to just have it on a website. It ain't even enough for you and I just to keep repeating it. There's got to be more and more people that experience that life-changing, spirit-empowered relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? You you, You can have everything in this world. If you don't have Jesus, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. We want more and more people to to experience that. When I when I hear that. I think about this vision for 2018, the mission, the mandate that God has placed upon this church and upon us as leaders. This is the year of opportunity. This is the year of acceleration. It's gonna happen fast. Turn to somebody and say, get your running shoes on. It's gonna happen quick, okay? And mobilization. What is the year of? It's the year of, say it with me, opportunity acceleration, mobilization. Let's do it this way. Opportunity, go, go, get your hand up, get your hand up. Come on, come on, make, leave your all Italians today. <laughs> uh, opportunity, acceleration. You got that one? Do it again, do it again. Acceleration, cause, t- tell somebody, because it's going to happen quick. And mobilization. That's what it's going to take. That's what this year is all about. This is not a year of stagnation. This is not a year of just sitting. This is not a year of relaxing. This is not a year of being entertained. This is a year where the church starts acting like the church, speaking like the church, walking like the church. Are you listening? Praise God. Sounds like Jesus' message to his disciples. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 tells us, New Living Translation, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion rose up in him. Why? Because he saw that they were confused and helpless. My God, you think he was walking around the mall right down the street here. You think he's been in the supermarket. You think he's, I'll even take it further, summer's coming. Go take a walk on the boardwalk. What do you see? My God, you see hopelessness. You see confusion. You see lawlessness. You see just just an attitude of like, I don't know where I'm going, and I'm getting there quick. 
Compassion. Does compassion rise up when you, when you go to the supermarket? People walking around, they're so preoccupied in their mind, they're smashing into you with the shopping cart. You want to turn around, and my wife will tell me, you better remember you're the pastor. People recognize you now when you go out. Get a hold of yourself. He said, it says here that he, he had compassion rose up in him. Why? Because he saw that. He, he sensed their confusion. He sensed their helplessness. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And that compassion that he experienced caused him to now say to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Verse 38, he went on to say this. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more laborers, more workers into the field. When I, when I read these verses, when I hear this, I hear opportunity. The harvest is ready. Harvest is ready. Listen, don't you dare allow the devil to trick you like he's been tricking the church for decades. They don't want to hear it. Nobody wants to know about your God. They're not going to listen to you. That is a lie. People right now are so disgusted with life and so disgusted with our society and so disgusted with just the everyday in and out rat race. They want to hear about hope. They want to hear about this Jesus. And the only person they're gonna hear it from is you. God is not sending an angel to talk to people. He's gonna send you. He's gonna bring people to your path or he's gonna put you in their path. You are, you have a voice. You have a message on the inside of you. We're gonna talk about it a little bit more. What do I hear when I hear these verses? I hear acceleration. Why? He's saying to them, the harvest is ready, the harvest is ready. You know, there's, there's a certain type of crop, and I, I apologize, I should have researched it, but I remember hearing about this. There's a certain particular type of fruit or some type of, remember, I think it might be cotton or something like that. There's a certain place in the world, you've got 72 hours to gather that harvest when it comes in. If you don't get it in in 72 hours, it is ruined. So what happens in those 72 hours in those communities? The kids don't go to school. People don't go to work. Everybody's out. What are they doing? They mobilized. Why? Because there's an acceleration. If we don't get this crop in, if we don't bring in the harvest, all of our work that's been done all year long is wasted. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. We've got to get this harvest in. Like, we cannot afford to let it rot on the vine. Why? We're going to be held accountable for the harvest that Jesus brings across our path. I don't say that to bring guilt or condemnation. I say that to raise a level of awareness and urgency. There are people in your life, just because they're smiling in front of your face, does not mean they're not dying on the inside. And they're, they're, they're just desiring, they're desperate for somebody to come and tell them a way out. They're desperate to see somebody live a life. And before their eyes, that actually has contentment and fulfillment and purpose. And what greater purpose than to bring this message of the Lord Jesus Christ, his message of grace, his message of unconditional love, his message of your life is not over. You've got the best ahead of you. And we have that voice and we have that message. I hear mobilization when I read these scriptures. The workers are few, Jesus said. You know how that must have pained him to have to say that? The workers are few. But he says to them, he gives them a solution. What does he tell them? Pray. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest that he would send more workers into the field. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you ahead of time. If you start praying that way, guess who's going to be the first one he's going to send in the field? 
Listen, church, I'm going to make this statement. Some people have got a little confused over this, but I, I believe you're going to know what I'm talking about. It is time to take Christianity from the warm and fuzzies and make it armed and dangerous again. There's been a long time since the devil's been afraid of the church. Long time. Because we've been too busy with the warm and fuzzies. Uh, you know, I went through this and I went through that and I went through, yeah, yeah, we know. We've been there too. And I'm not making light of that, I'm not saying that your circumstances are not important, I'm not saying that the things that you've suffered are not important, but do you want to keep suffering them? Do you want to keep being wounded? You want to keep being, you want to just go home and crawl up in a fetal position? Is that what you want? No. It's time to receive your healing. Understanding that God Almighty knows everything you've been through, knows how it hurt, knows what it's done to you. And if you'll release it to him, he'll make you a warrior. Instead of being wounded, you'll come out a warrior. Come on, church. not time anymore to come. I like to go to that church because it makes me feel so good. I just feel so good when I'm coming. How is church? Oh, it just made me feel so good. Honey, if I'm just making you feel good, I'm not doing my job. Why? We're supposed to be armed. We're supposed to be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. My job is not to entertain you. My responsibility, according to the book of Ephesians, is to equip the saints, you are the saints. Who's the saints? You are. Saint means a, one that's set apart, one that is sanctified, one that is, that is specifically set apart for a particular purpose. That's who you are. Turn, turn to somebody and say, you the saint. My job is to equip you. Why? So you'll go out and do the work of the ministry. You're like, I know what I like to work. You have to use that word work. Do you use that word work? Yeah, because that's what it is. And Jesus left it up to us. Imagine that. Imagine that. Left it to us. If anybody's going to hear the gospel, they're going to hear it because you told them. How did you hear it? How did you hear it? Did an angel appear to you? I doubt that very much. Somebody came, another human being, another flesh and bone and blood individual came to you, spoke to you. Maybe they called you up on the phone. Maybe they sent you a Facebook message. Maybe whatever method of communication, whatever they did, they did, but it came from another human being, and that has been God's plan ever since. It's up to us. It's up to us. So Vision 2018 involves go tell, go get, and go make. Go tell. In Mark chapter 5, it tells a story about a man who was so full of demons, evil spirits that just possessed his body. Wild man. Stripped naked, they couldn't keep clothes on him. They tried to chain him, to, to chain him up. He'd break the chains, lived out in the tombs, lived out in the cemeteries, cut himself with stones and howled all night long. And you think your kids are bad. <laughs> and Jesus arrives by boat, jumps out of that boat, jumps on the, on the seashore. And this man, as much as he was full of 2,000 demons, had enough willpower to go and throw, not enough sense to go throw himself at the, feast, at the feet of Jesus. Why? He's the only one that's going to be able to do anything. He gets completely set free from all these devils, completely set free from all these evil spirits. And the next thing you know is the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 5 that he is seated and clothed and in his right mind. And so the natural response for this man is, I'm sticking with this guy. 
I want to go any place he goes. I, I'm going to be so close to him, if he stops, I'm going to bump into him. Why? Because I don't want this stuff to come back on me. I'm going to stay close to him. And Jesus says to him this, no, 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 you stay here and go back to your city. Go back to your people and tell them, say tell them, tell them what good things the Lord has done for you. Let me ask you this question. What good things has the Lord done for you? You got up today. You got breath in your lungs. You got in a car or you got a ride or you did something, but you got here. You know your left hand from your right hand. You're doing good compared to some people. What has he done for you? Has he restored your marriage? Has he restored your family? Has he taken you at a place of of just being oppressed and depressed and brought you and set you up on a solid rock that you can actually live a life that's stable? Go tell somebody. Go tell somebody. Later on, there's a revival that breaks out in Samaria. Even in the book of Acts, after Jesus ascends into heaven, Samaria gets completely covered with the gospel. I believe with all my heart. It started with that one man. He went and did what? Go tell. What did Jesus say? Go tell. What is the Holy Ghost telling us? Go tell. Go tell somebody. God's going to put people on your heart. Just even today now as I'm speaking, God's going to put people on your heart and say, you need to go tell that person what I've done for you. Why? Because that inspires. What does that do? That creates a vision in the heart of that individual that may be so desperately lost, but that little, that little message that you give them is going to inspire hope in them, and they're going to want what you've already experienced. Amen? This is the year to go tell. This is the year to go get. Jesus, in John chapter 4, it's recorded for us, goes to the, the area of Samaria. He sits down next to a well. The disciples go into a village to go get some food. It's lunchtime. And this lady comes out, and she comes to the well. She's going to gather water. Now, to me and you, and it went, yeah, what's the big deal? No, in the Middle East, if you go in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, to gather water, something's wrong. Why? Because you do that early in the morning when it's cool, or you go late at night after the sun's gone down. You don't go in the most blazing part of the day. She's there at that time of the day because she knows she's not going to see anybody from the village. Everybody else is home in the shade. Why is she doing that? Well, She's not very well liked in the village. Some of the the women in the village realize she's gotten a little bit too close to their husbands. Well-known lady in that town. So Jesus is there. They strike up a conversation. He starts reading her mail. You know what I mean by reading her mail? She gets nervous. You ever get nervous when you talk to somebody and they start start locating you? And you you want to change the subject, right? So she starts with this religious conversation. You know, she's going to prove to him that she's read the Bible maybe a little bit. And he goes, honey, calm down. Okay. She says, you know, when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all things. He goes, sweetheart, I'm the man. Then he says to her, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five of them, and the one you got now is not your husband. She got to him. She goes into the city, and she says to the people, come out here and see this man that told me everything about my life. What did she do? She went and got. Go tell, go get. That entire city comes to faith in Jesus Christ because of the story of that one woman. What'd she do? She went and told, and then she went and get. This is the year to go and get. This is the year to go get your your family members. This is the year to go get your neighbors. This is the year to go get your coworkers. This is the year to go get whoever God puts on your heart. Go get them. Go get them. Why? The time is running out. Time is short. 
This generation has seen things and is going to see things that no other generation has ever seen before on this planet. It's time. It's time. Say it's time. time. Go and make the last things that Jesus told the church. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came close to them and said, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you, and never forget that I'm with you every day, even to the completion of the age. There is an urgency in the Spirit. There is an urgency that God is wanting to draw as many people as possible this year, this season. This is not the season to sit and stagnate. This is not the season to sit and get comfortable. This is the season to do everything possible, to get as many people as we possibly can. Go tell them, go get them, and then make disciples out of them. Draw your attention to the screens. This is the season that we are in right now. Get on the ark! Get on the ark! Everyone on the ark now! I think we should get on the ark. I agree, I think we should get on the ark also. I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm going home. Listen, church, we're going to need a bigger boat. Turn to somebody and say, we're going to need a bigger boat. This is the season that we're in. It's time to get everybody on the ark as fast as possible. You notice this is just like, this is such a, such a, such a picture of today's society. Everybody's fooling around, mocking, all this other stuff. Ha, 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 until the flood breaks loose. You notice how fast the attitude changed. Notice how fast your attitude changed. When people would come to you in the past and you want to tell you about Jesus, now nah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then all of a sudden some disaster overtakes you. And you're like, um, uh, where's the number of that person that was talking to me? It's time to get everybody on the ark. The ark is not a thing today. The ark is a person. The ark is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And those that are in him will find safety when destruction tries to come upon this earth. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. What was it like in the days of Noah? In the days of Noah, the earth was full of violence. Sound familiar? In the days of Noah, people had no love in their hearts. People had no mercy for one another. People were only out for themselves and they took nothing to knife in you. That's why God's attention was, was just so taken by what was happening on the earth. And it says, and it says that he repented. He, he was sorry that he created man to the point where He comes up with a plan. How am I going to cleanse this earth? You know the story. Jesus said, as it was in those days, that's what it's going to be like just before I return to this earth. Honey, look around. It's happening. People say, well, oh, it's always been the conditions on the earth. No, not like now. Not like now. You know, last night I mentioned the fact, having been a history student all of my life, you realize you look back about 100 years ago, our nation, and I'm not going to get on the bandwagon here, I just want to use this as an illustration. 
Our nation was known all over the world as a place where you can see righteousness actually demonstrated. Now, it doesn't mean we were perfect, but if anybody were to say, what nation on the earth would you consider the most Christian nation? What nation on the earth would you consider walking with God the most? People would have automatically said the United States. There was a time before that, people would have said England. There was a time thousands of years before that, they would have said, well, it's Jerusalem, it's that area there. But you know what? I can't think of one country in the entire world. I can't think of one nation on this planet that we could say, that nation's walking with God. It stopped. It's just like it says in Genesis chapter six, the world is full of corruption and evil. It says, it says that man's ways were filled just with evil and nothing else. All they thought about was evil. Look at today. You got people, you say, what do they stay up at night and just think about new ways to commit crime? New ways to commit murder? New ways to commit just terror? We're living in the days that Jesus was talking about. And he said this, he said, and society's gonna go about like this is normal. People are gonna conduct business, they're gonna marry and be given in marriage. It's just life is, life, on, the, on the surface, it's like life is normal, but it's not. And he said, in the midst of that, that's when I'm gonna come back. We gotta get everybody on the ark as much as possible. You're listening to me. Listen to what Paul, Paul grabbed a hold of this. This is the warning he gave us. It's recorded for us in 2 Timothy chapter three. Gives us a clear picture. It says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Have you ever seen so much selfishness as you've seen? And self-centered, it's all about me, it's all about me. I, you know, when I hear somebody say, this is the year of me, I wanna just smack them. <laughs> lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, slanderous. There's no sense of honor anymore. People just slander any type of a leader. Slandering parents, crazy. Without self-control, I mean, that's evident. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous. I've never, I've never seen so many calculated, manipulative, controlling individuals in my life like we see in this generation. I'm not talking about generation, I'm talking about during this season. Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Man, did Paul know what he was talking about? The Bible is full of examples, the ark is an example, it's a symbol, it's a symbol of Jesus. Jesus is our rescuer, Jesus is our protection. Jesus has commanded the church. You know, the word for church in, in the New Testament which is written in Greek, is the word ekklesia. You really, if you trace it back, it really means gathering. What do we have here right now? Look around, look around. What do we have? We have a gathering. We have gathered ourselves together here this morning to worship, to bring our tithes and offerings. We want to thank God for all that he's blessed us with. We want to part in what he's doing. But we've also come to sit under the teaching of the word, to allow it to get in us, because when it comes in us, it produces what? Faith. So that we're equipped, we're encouraged, we're empowered to do what? To go out the rest of the week and go amongst those that are lost and help them, pray for them, reach out to them, serve them. Why? Because when you serve somebody, it gives you the right to speak into their life. We don't have the right to just walk up to anybody and say, well, let me tell you what's going on, let me tell you the truth. No, you have to earn that right. Jesus even earned that right. 
where he saw something, he corrected it. When somebody was sick, he healed them. They're dead, they were, the people that were dead, that affected their families, he raised them from the dead and gave them back to them. When they needed food, when they needed fish, when they needed whatever, he provided it for them. And that gave him the right to speak into their lives. Pray that God would show you somebody to serve so that you can speak to them. The gathering exists to send. We do not exist to sit here and enjoy and suck it up all ourselves. Man, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. You blessed, yeah, you blessed, I'm blessed. That's not what the church exists for. The gathering of believers exists so that you come here, we together get equipped, we together get encouraged, we together get empowered. Sometimes we need to get bandaged. But for what reason? Get all those things. Get wounded, get the bandage. Get healed up, get strengthened, get empowered, get equipped. For what reason? The message has got to get out. And it's got to come from us. He's not sending anybody else. He's sending us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says it this way. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. He's speaking to the lost through our lips. Somebody came to you and spoke to you who were lost. They brought you the message. Don't you think anybody else deserves to have that same message? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, it goes on to say this, so we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled with him. Be re- what does it mean to be reconciled? To be brought back into relationship again. He's gonna use you, he's gonna use me. So in order to do that, listen, church, gathering, listen. The only way that's gonna happen is if you and I learn a new language, and that language is love. That language is grace. That language is love. That language is grace. That language is love. That language is grace. Why? Because love gives. There's the service part. Love gives. Grace reaches. Are you following me here? You have been impacted by grace. You did not earn this salvation. You didn't earn the right to go to heaven. Jesus went to the cross. You didn't pay for your own sins. You didn't I'm carrying my cross. No, no, he carried the cross. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. And you and I, we put our faith and trust in him. We gain salvation. Are you listening to me? That message has got to go forward. In other words, the grace that hit you has got to go from you to somebody else's life. That's how you got born again. You were affected by the grace of God. Now let me ask you this question. Do not others that live on this planet right now, don't your next door neighbors, don't your extended family members, don't your coworkers, do they not deserve to be affected by the same grace that affected your life? Yes or no? Who's gonna do it? We are. We are. He's counting on us. Like I said in the video, in order to do that, we need a bigger boat. Turn to somebody and say, we need a bigger boat. We need more boats. Come on, come on, turn to somebody and say, we need more boats. And we need more captains. The command of the church has not changed. The command is this. Go reach. Go tell. Go get. Go make. That is the command of the church. Hasn't changed, not going to change. Until we're still in the church age on this planet, which we still are, that command remains. 
We've all got to speak the same thing. We've got to speak reach. Say that with me, reach. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go like this, reach. Okay, make believe I got a $100 bill in my hand. Let's see you now. Reach. Reach whoever, wherever. That's our mission. Reaching more at the shore. That's an easy one to remember. Reach is the language of Jesus. He left heaven to reach the earth. He wants us now to leave our comfort zones to reach the lost. We, the church, the, the gathering exists to send and to reach. We need more farmers. We need more harvesters. Got to remember that the vision must be communicated so it can run with. And what is the vision? What is the mission? What is the message? Is this. I want you to listen to me. We only got a few seconds left. I want you to know. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Jesus wants what he paid for. If you, went to, if you went to a car dealership, tomorrow morning you walked in and you said to the, to, to the salesman, after you beat off a bunch of them, if you said to the salesman, I, this is what I want. I want a bright, shiny, candy apple red sports car. I want this type of tires. I want this type of wheel covers. I want these type of mirrors. I want all the technology in this car. I want to sit in there and make believe I'm listening to a symphony when I hear that, that music. And you go, okay, come back and turn. Now, you plop down on that desk 50 grand in cash. You got it all stacks. And you've worked hard. And you've sweat blood for this. And you take that 50 grand and you drop it on the desk. And you've paid for that thing in cash. And then you show up two weeks later and they bring out this putrid green, ugly looking whatever. I don't want to mention any particular brands. We might get sued. <laughs> and, you, and, and the mirrors are not the mirrors you ordered. The wheel covers are not the wheel covers you ordered. You sit in the car and it's got an AM radio. <laughs> what would you do? What would you do? You'd get that, uh, go find me that salesman, that one that kept me four hours here two weeks ago. And get yourself over here, come over here and explain this. Because this isn't what I paid for. I paid for a candy apple red, shiny sports car with the special wheel covers, with all the technology in it. And what would you say to the guy? I want what I paid for. Well, guess what? Jesus wants what he paid for with the holes in his hands, with the hole in his side, with the pierced skull, with his back ripped open, with his blood spilled out. And then if that wasn't bad enough, he had to endure a hell until God reached down and raised him from the dead. Jesus wants what he paid for. What he paid for? He paid for your neighbors. He paid for your family members. He paid for your coworkers. And you and I cannot have the attitude, well, I'm in. I'm in. Jesus wants what he paid for. And that's why he urges us with urgency. Go tell. Go get. And go make them into disciples. Are you listening to me? I pray in Jesus' name that you're hooking up with this vision. Because it's exciting. And it, it's, it's just, I, just come next week. I promise you, next week you're going to walk out of this place like, are you listening to me? I pray that you'll commit to this vision. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. 
You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.